How to improve your marriage without saying a word. How to improve any relationship without saying a word may sound absolutely impossible, but in preparing for this series, and even more so looking at it even more deeply, I am becoming more convinced that uh, Scripture is full of this reality that relationships are improved more by not talking. There's something that they are improved by. Like we said last week, a lot of this is, is a fun thing, and we know that sometimes in our lives, talking does more harm than good, because talking can lead to arguments, arguments to blowouts and fights and anger and frustration. But the reality is, for part two in this series, Before Sunset, is it a reality? Is it realistic to believe that a relationship or a marriage relationship that is bad can be made good, or a relationship that is good can be made better before sunset? I know Reverend Tate, who conducted uh, Danielle and I's uh, wedding ceremony back in West Salem, Illinois, so many years ago, always told us, don't go to bed angry. Well, Brother Tate, we failed you, <laughs> because there were times in our marriage we went to bed a little frustrated and angry, because just not the personality makeup of Danielle and I, but some people... That's their personality makeup. They can go to bed and have had an argument. So last week, just a real brief around the mountain, if you weren't here, the thoughts, how do you improve your marriage without saying the word part one, is you first have to realize that in Scripture, God created this beautiful covenant that we call marriage. It wasn't man's idea. It was God's idea. And God created the covenant of marriage. Number one. If you don't believe that, you're going to go down a road that's going to cause you a lot of problems. So God created the covenant of marriage. And God created the participants of marriage. God created Adam. And then from Adam's side... He took a rib bone and created Eve. And Eve was brought to Adam by God and she was his helpmate. And helpmate does not mean less. A husband and wife are equal. Equal in the sight of God. But they fulfill different roles. So the God who created the covenant of marriage and the God who created the participants in marriage created them male and female. And God created the parameters of the marriage covenant between a husband and wife and those parameters are a blessing for a woman or a man that's in a marriage relationship. But... So many marriages fail, 
50% plus end in divorce. And that ratio is pretty true for the church by most, you know, standards. Because of one very important reality. And that is reverence. Reverence for Christ. You see, what most people don't hear in premarital counseling is if you don't get it right at the very beginning, marriage is going to be very hard for it to be successful. And if you are at the beginning pursuing a relationship and you cannot step back in that quiet place with you and your Lord... And say of the person that is your fiancé, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt in my heart, they really do love the Lord. They really do love the Lord. You've got a problem. You've got a big problem. Now the reality is in all of that, Most of us can find ourselves in those positions and going through and getting married at young ages and even as we get older. And then we become Christians. And then we look back and we go, man, I just didn't think about that because that's not where I was. And so this series isn't to say if you've been divorced, you know, you're a bad person. Don't, Don't think that. We're all sinners, and we're all broken, and our relationship with God has been broken. But there comes a point when we surrender and we reverence Jesus Christ in our lives that everything changes. And maybe we live in a time that the the preachings, maybe not what it should be, because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want anybody to be excluded. Therefore, we water down what it means to be in relationship to Jesus Christ. It is at the cross of Christ that we as individuals surrender our lives to Him. It is at the cross of Christ that we say, You come first before all other things. You, God, I will love with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength. Because you have redeemed me, I was on a path to destruction and hell, and you have redeemed me through your death on the cross. And you have said, whosoever will may come. And you moved in my life and my heart. And I stepped forward and put my faith in you. Knowing all that you'd done for me. Me, Lord. And I'm nothing. I'm like Paul. I'm the worst of sinners. You did that for me. Is that how you live in relationship to Christ now? Just so humbled by His goodness and love in every possible way for you as the worst of sinners. 
Sometimes we say when we are introducing someone, you know, they've, they've had this issue and they've made some mistakes. Made some mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, right? It's not mistakes. It's the wrong word. It's a weak word. It's a word for the world. We've sinned. We've sinned. We don't make mistakes in our relationship with the Lord and a lack of following and surrendering to Him. We sin. And that's why I said as you look at marriage and you look at the participants in marriage and you look at the parameters of marriage, the reality is If it is outside of God's word, it is outside of God's will. And if it's outside of God's will, you won't be blessed. Oh, things may go along okay and you may feel good about things. and But you won't be blessed the way God would have you to be blessed. And ultimately, if you continue in that lifestyle, you will face the wrath of God. But thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Even when we sin after we're His, His blood cleanses us. And we have new life, new mercies every morning. Praise God for new mercies every morning. Now, someone might say of me that my nature is an eternal optimist. And I'm very optimistic. But Bible-wise, the Bible teaches us again and again that God takes broken people and renews and restores them. God takes people that are broken and heals them. And it is true that God can do that if a marriage is broken or if a marriage isn't everything that it should be and could be. God is the great reconciler, right? He reconciled us to Him as individuals through the cross. And whenever we surrender our will to His and we do it on a daily commitment, He blesses us with with wonderful blessings. And so last week, we opened up with just this this powerful truth about out of your reverence for Jesus Christ. Not out of your love for your wife. Not out of your reverence for your husband. Out of your reverence for Jesus Christ. I want you to submit yourselves to everybody. And there's a unique way that a wife submits to her husband. And then we worked through that in Ephesians So, back to the slide I was at. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Listen to that. That is really a powerful and insightful spiritual principle. I stand in reverence of Christ first and foremost. I love Christ more than I love Danielle. More than I love my kids. More than I love my grandkids. And in doing that, I'm able to love them more indeed than I could any other way. But 
I love God the most. Therefore, as I'm living my life as a single person, just in relationship to others, in general, or if I'm married, I live life with a deep awareness that everything that I'm fighting to do that's right is ultimately viewed by God who is watching me in my personal life as commendable if I make the sacrifice, trust and obey in that surrendered state because I'm aware of God. How many times have you really wanted to just throw down and be the old fleshly self and just let it go? I hear somebody growling over the corner. Just to let it go. But you didn't. Because you were conscious of what God wanted from you. That's when you know that God is first in your life. That's when you know God is first in your life. When you want to do a wrong that would not honor Him, but you do what is right because... What God thinks about you is more important than what anyone else thinks about you. I want to be commendable in God's sight. It's nice to have everybody like you. It's nice to have the relationship work in a way that you're not having to struggle through bearing the burden of an injustice by someone against you. But you'll do it Because you love God more than anything else in this world. And if you won't, then you don't love Him first and foremost. It's that simple. It's that beautiful. It's that difficult. How is it, to your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable for God. Now, Ephesians talked about this word submit in relationship to one another and wives to their husbands. And here we are in 1 Peter, and he's bringing this word up again. So watch right here. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So Christ went through injustice. He was wronged. But it is the definition of what we see in this text of His submitting to His heavenly Father for our good. We submit to one another. A wife submits to her husband for the good of the other. Our mindset is always on honoring God and being good to our spouse, whatever God has called us to do. So here's the example, verse 22. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. What? He didn't strike back. He didn't say hateful things. He didn't say mean things. When he suffered... He made no threats. 
How many of us in just general relationships and maybe even with our spouses have made threats, said hateful things, know what will hurt somebody so we we just know how to cut them to the core. Not so with Jesus and he's our example. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judged justly. And there it is. Entrusting yourself to God. Entrusting yourself to your Creator. Entrusting yourself to Him in every relationship, especially marriage. Because Peter has said, submit yourself to the king. Submit yourself to the governor. Submit yourself to every recognized power slaves in that time period submit yourselves to your masters even if they're unjust and treat you in a severe way and he's building towards the husband and wife relationship he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds You have been healed. And so I stress again, by the wounds of Christ, we've all been healed. But there is a call on our lives. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Which is Peter's way of saying to you, you don't get to live like you want any longer. You tried that long enough and it failed you. Now, you've returned to God. And you've returned to the Savior of the world. And He has some call and demand on your life. And that call and that demand is to be like Him. The mission statement, being disciples who live and like Jesus, isn't just some trite saying. It is a saying that says we are called to be like Christ. Relationships with fathers to daughters, fathers to son, mothers to their children, grandparents, relationship to their children and grandchildren. This applies to us all. Whatever situation you are in, are you willing, out of your love for God, to suffer unjustly in the relationship and allow God to defend you in His time and in His way without you trying to have to control the situation or force someone to change. Because you know as well as I do, you can't make anybody change. They are what they are. And the only person that can make them change is God Himself as they humbly, willingly, and of free will submit to Him. And so before I go on to the next passage of Scriptures... If you're a young person in a dating relationship, you better make sure that that boyfriend or that girlfriend really, truly loves the Lord. And you need to step back and you need to watch their lifestyle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't like, I'm so lonely. I I have no self-esteem. I need somebody in my life. And, And people get in the worst Positions because of that. What do you mean you're alone? You're a Christian. 
You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have God, your Father, defending you. You're not alone. But go out and try to push a relationship that God is not blessing, and you'll end up either divorced or very miserable the rest of your life. So I come back, so I'm hoping I can get your buy-in to this word submit. It's a military term that means to marshal troops together and put them under authoritative leadership. That's the military use, to line up under the leadership of one who's above you. That's what Jesus Christ did with his Father. Although he was God in the flesh, the book of Philippians chapter 2 tells us although he was equal with God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So he humbled himself and made himself lower than the angels. That's our Lord. So the word submit is not a bad word. It's not a negative domineering word. It is a spiritual word and reality that God has created so that relationships can be healthy and fulfilling. How is it used in a non-military sense? It's a voluntary attitude in giving in, in cooperating, in assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. You carry the burden because sometimes there's things in the relationship that's just unjust. It's not fair. You're wrong. So what do I get to do? Do I get to say something? No, you get to... It's wrong vernacular. Shut your mouth. Be quiet. Stop talking. Stop talking. You know, that's the hardest thing for people to do. Stop talking. Do you want the relationship to be better? Stop talking. Because as I move through, I want you to see that, look, here it is. Wives, here we're back to the wives now as we're working through. Wives in the same way, submit, align yourself, not under every man, under your husband. It's what God wants for you. It's what God's called you to do. You may not like it at first, but you're going to find the blessing in it. Line yourself willingly, voluntarily under your husband. And when he does dumb things, which he will, as I told you last week, there's a portion of his brain that's taller than yours. That portion where you remember everything and he remembers nothing. He's going to do Dumb stuff. If I had a nickel for every dumb thing I've done in the last 34 years of my marriage, I could probably go to McDonald's and buy a cup of coffee. (laughs) God, but I'm serious. There's none of us that's immune to it. We're none of us immune to it. We do dumb things. We say dumb things. We're selfish. We put ourselves above the other. Like I said last week, Jesus, others, and yourself, that's what we're taught to live, to have joy. But in a relationship, it's always Jesus. It's always your spouse ahead of you. 
Always. In the same way as Christ didn't retaliate, didn't strike back, but gave his life for the church. If any of them do not believe the word, that they may be won over without words. Now, you can go look at that in any and every translation you want, but does it say to you what it says to me? It says to me that a wife living out her God-designed role in her husband's life, who can just be messing up all the time and doesn't even acknowledge or love God and is absolutely not washed in the blood of the Lord, is lost and damned by her behavior. She can win her husband to Christ. Is that what it says to you? I don't think. Without words. Isn't that? There it is. Improving your marriage. Without saying a word. It's right there in scripture. But you know how difficult it is? To sit back and wait on God and entrust yourself to him. And have a reverence for the Lord that's so great that... Whenever one or the other in the relationship is doing stupid, idiotic things that just seem never to change. And, you know, so, so many of us guys, we promise, we promise, we promise it's going to be different. I promise this time it's going to be different. I promise. And, you know, we just break promises and never change without words. Without words. A wife. The way God has designed it has the possibility, the potential to win her unbelieving husband to faith in Jesus Christ. That's incredible. Is that the kind of of wife you are, have been, want to be? Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold, jewelry, or other clothes. You know, I really think personally this isn't talking about the fact that you can't dress up and you can't look nice and you can't have pretty hairstyles or you can't wear jewelry. That's to miss the point. But the point is, is when you get it all flipped around and being pretty and having the hairstyles, having the latest fashion, your beauty and your only beauty. And that's not the way that God created a woman to be. He created a woman to have an inner beauty. A beauty of spirit, a beauty of soul. You can have the prettiest person on the outside. That doesn't make them pretty on the inside. So, he goes on to, rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit 
which is of great worth in God's sight. So, wives, what is of great worth in God's sight is your inner beauty, your gentle spirit, your quiet spirit. And the fact is, for some, that may be a burden, you know. It's like, I'm not quiet in any way. Remember the story of Mary and Martha and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and the disciples are there and Martha's fixing the food and she's just sort of spastic and, you know, tell Mary to get up and help me and all of that. And one of the things that you see, and I mean, you can, you can be sensitive to Martha, is it is within her personality and makeup that she wants to control everything. Do you want to be known, really, in in your marriage for a person that's trying to control everything or for a wife that has a gentle and quiet spirit. Because that is of great worth in God's sight. And a gentle and quiet spirit doesn't mean you can't talk, you can't share your feelings, because you can. But it's all done under the humility And the submission ultimately to God and His truth and trusting Him to fight your battles in His time. And you have to know your personality and know that, boy, this is is a burden to bear. But I choose to willingly do it. You know, when it comes to the beauty of our wives, guys, right? And we know there's better looking men than us, right, guys? Do we know that? I mean, you know, that should get all kinds of amens, right? I mean, I can see everybody. We should have like a big hallelujah amen. There are a lot of guys out there in this world that are a lot better looking than us. And nobody has to tell us that. We know it. And the same for wives. Girlfriends or boyfriends, but especially, same for wives. But your wife needs to know, not with words, that she is the most beautiful creature in your eyes. You hear me? Your wife needs to know it, not with words, Not with flowers, not with poetry. Your wife needs to know that she is the apple of your eye. By spiritual behavior of a husband that has submitted himself under the authority and godship of our Father in heaven. I may fail at this, but I want D to know in my heart, Vavum, she's it. 
Your cologne smells great. Even if I don't like it. Do I look like I've gained weight? No. In fact, are you losing weight? Remember five years ago I did a marriage series and I said, she's 130 pounds of the sweetest sugar. She goes, you just told everybody my weight. She's 95 pounds of the sweetest sugar in this world. But she is that to me. She's not a roommate. She's not a good roommate. She's not a bad roommate. She is my wife. And I know that I've got a burden to carry, and that is to love her like Christ loved the church. And if I'm going to love Danielle like Christ loved the church, and you're going to love your wife like Christ loved the church, because you want to stand in reverence of your God and be obedient to the woman that you've married, then you sacrifice and lay down your life, and it don't take words to do that for your spouse. And we get all wrong in the direction of doing that. We get sidetracked by the world. Husbands, lay down your lives for your wives. Sacrifice for them. Quit talking about it and live it out in your life. She needs that. Like I said last week, while Paul in the vision says... Wives, respect your husbands, and husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. He will use those words interchangeably. A man definitely needs respect. But he also needs his wife to lay down her life for him, and vice versa. And to not do that, if you're a believer, to not do that is cruel. It is cruel. To not love the spouse, the wife of your youth, the person that you've made a commitment to. It's cruel to not love them that way. And I know it's not Christ-like. So I hope today, as we are in part two of this four-part series, no matter what the relationship may be, that you will voluntarily lining yourself under your God, and if you're a wife, your husband, and that your husband will love you like Christ loved the church, and you won't use what you're supposed to do and what I'm supposed to do so we can beat each other up, that you're failing, because ultimately you leave here today knowing even when they are failing, it is still God's call on your life to be obedient to Him like Christ and follow Christ's example, irregardless if they fail you forever. gentle and quiet spirit is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted, there it is again, aligned themselves Willingly to their own husbands. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. 
That setting comes out of the book of Genesis. It's where God promises Abraham that he's going to have a child through his own line. And Sarah hears the conversation between the men that God had sent, angels. She's in the tent. She hears it. And her smirk is, now that I'm 90, basically, and he's a 99, now my Lord is going to give me children? I don't think so. You know, whenever you're by yourself, you ever talk to yourself? You know, it's a good thing to talk to yourself, actually. I I do talk to myself quite often. When you talk to yourself, we call it maybe even venting, things you wouldn't say to anybody but God, but you got to get it out, right? You got to get it out. You say probably what's most true and what you feel. And here Sarah was in a tent, 90 years old, and sort of making a smirk about what the angel has said to Abraham and says, will my Lord. Now that's a term of respect. It's a term of respect. Wives, respect your husbands. Not because they necessarily deserve it. Respect them. Because that's what you're called to. And let God work it out. If you do these things because you belong to Him, if you do these things, your marriage can be better before sunset this evening. It's the place to start. And it will definitely improve your marriage without saying a word. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. That's important. The word fear. Don't give way to fear. Oh, I can't control. It won't happen the way that I want. This is what I want to happen. You get all in front of God. So you're ahead of God. And we make things worse. There it is. Husbands. In the same way, be considerate. Or know. It's, it's the word we get for knowledge. No. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. But, you know, a, a husband, guys, we, we've got to know our wives. And not only know our wives, but know them and desire to use that knowledge to bless them. Spiritually and Physically. See, one of the things I know about Danielle, if I buy her a tree or something to plant in the ground, I've hit a home run. If she says, I was thinking about going and getting this or that, inside I start praying and I just say, do whatever you want. Oh, Lord, help me, Lord. 
We've got to know our wives spiritually, where they are, what they need. And then we've got to act on it. That's why I said to not do these simple things that are right there. It's cruel. Marriages go year after year. And it's like two people living on the same roof. But the love that hopefully was there when they said I do is, is just not there anymore. But it doesn't mean it can't be revived and refreshed. God heals and reconciles broken relationships and renews and reestablishes healthy, thriving marriages. But we have to know what our wives need and don't need. I, uh, some of us guys, we can be so controlling too. This is the way I think. This is the way it is. And this is the way that it's going to be. I am the head of the house I'm in charge, and that's what God says. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's why 55% or more are getting divorced. That's why people are unhappy in their marriage. I wouldn't want to be married to somebody like that. Because it's nothing like the example of Jesus Christ. So be considerate. Know your wives. And it's true of a wife knowing her husband. It's true. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Literally the weaker vessel. Not spiritually weaker. Man, so many women are the most strong spiritually, right? Guys, husbands, we know it's true. But they, they are physically weaker. And there's the sense, husbands, and this world may not this kind of thing that I would say here, but God endorses it. The wife physically is the weaker vessel. That's why there are no, like I said last week, out of 1,000, I think 600 football players in the National Football League, there's none of them women. That's why in the Ironman championship that took place yesterday in Hawaii, that's why men always win it. They're stronger. There's a study, I didn't know if I should bring this one up, but we'll have a little fun too. There's a study that says a man's thumb is 30 times stronger than a woman's. Guys, that's why the Lord wants us to be in charge of the remote controls. All right, that was a bad joke. But hey, you can thank me later today when you're flipping through football, all right? Oh, that is bad. <laughs> oh, you were tuned in for that one. But wives, a husband really does want to be the protector of the wife. And when we say provider, we don't mean we have to be the only one working. But a husband wants to be viewed as, as a strong man that will protect and defend his wife. 
that when we walk down a sidewalk, a man stands closest to the road, not his wife, because if someone's going to get hit, it's going to be the husband, and he'll push his wife out of the way. We open the door, not because we have to, or she's too weak to open the door, because we want to. In a dating relationship, it is a good thing for a young man to walk his date the door, and not just for the last kiss of the night, but to walk her to the door to show manners and make sure that she gets in safely. A man, a husband, wants to be seen and respected in that way. I don't care who you are, that's what men want. Give them room. I don't care how weak and if you maybe even can beat them in arm wrestling. Let them know. You're my man. You're my husband. I'm proud of you. I know you would lay down your life for me. You can do that without saying a word. I want you to listen, husbands, because we're getting ready to wrap up. But this series is too important to cut short. If you're not willing to do that, your prayers are going to be hindered. Your prayers will be hindered. Because God is wanting to get your attention. Now see, it's all against the backdrop that you're His and you're willing to sacrifice and you're having reverence for Him and you want to do what's commendable and therefore you want your prayers heard and you want them answered by God. And if you don't care about that, it don't matter. Your prayers won't make it up through the ceiling hardly. But God is trying to get your attention as a husband so that, like, why are my prayers not being answered? Could be because of the way you're treating your wife. Finally, we've talked about wives, talked about husbands, and even before that, we've talked about the authorities and talked about masters. So like, now he comes to everybody. It's just beautiful how Peter works this. Finally, all of you. Be like-minded. Do the same thing. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. There's where we watch our mouths. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because of this, to this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So if you want your prayers heard, husbands, be considerate of your wives. Wives, give your husbands room, a lot of room to fail, but respect them. And ultimately, as we close, that this can take place without saying a word, by simply living like Christ has set the example for us to live. Will your marriage be better before sunset? It will if you can humble yourself 
in the sight of the Lord who has redeemed you by His blood and died an agonizing death for you on the cross if you can follow His example in your relationships with everyone and especially your spouse. May God bless our marriages and may your marriage grow stronger very soon. Let's stand together. Father, as we come this time in prayer, we just ask for this congregation, Lord, to look to you, to trust you with absolutely everything, to humble ourselves like Christ humbled himself. Lord, please let your spirit intervene and allow our marriages here in this church to grow stronger. And may we lean on your word as we share what it takes to others to make their marriage what it should be. So, Lord, that's our congregational prayer today. And if there's anyone else here that just needs prayer, let them partner with our prayer leaders this morning. We love you, Father. We thank you for your challenging word because we know it's truth. And we embrace it for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.